Good morning. Good to see you this morning. Uh, you can see on the table I have a, uh, a basin or a bowl and a, and a towel. Uh, we're going to talk this morning about the tools of our trade. I said if uh, a uh, landscaper comes to your house, he's not going to bring a hammer and nails. He's going to bring something that he's going to be able to trim the trees. And so as disciples of Jesus, what are the tools of our trade? As we look in on Jesus this morning, uh, washing the disciples' feet, we see the tools of our trade. So I invite you to turn to John chapter 13, beginning with verse 1. Lord, your word is truth. As we read your word this day, may your truth permeate and penetrate our hearts. May it make a difference in the way that we live and the way that we serve you. Come, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. Amen. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, You do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus replied, You do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord Simon Peter replied, Not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. And Jesus answered, Those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean. And you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and ward. And rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you 
also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Amen. It's very interesting to me that when we go through the scripture and we see the commands of Jesus, love one another. Right, we got it, Jesus. Wash one another's feet. It's a command. Wash one another's feet. As I have washed your feet, now you wash one another's feet. And I realize that in the church, and I've come up through traditions, um, uh, the tradition I grew up in, we did not wash one another's feet. But I had a number of uh, friends in ministry, the Church of the Brethren in particular, that I would go to their love feast. And their love feast um, really, really spoke to me. They would gather around and they would eat a meal as Jesus and the disciples did. They didn't recline like Jesus and the disciples did. You know, the table was pretty... It was kind of a midget table and they gathered around the table and they actually leaned, right? And um, I would go and we would, we would eat, we would celebrate um, the Lord's Supper and then it came time to wash feet and the women sat on one side, the men sat on the other side. And there were two sets of a basin and a towel with water in it. And then all of a sudden you see everybody, they take their shoes off, they take their socks off, they sit there. And when you feel the Spirit moving you to come up, you come up and you sit down in a chair. Right? And you wash people's feet. Here was the beauty of that for me. You had no idea who was going to come up next. And so you had to have your heart right. Because if your worst enemy came up, you're going to wash their feet. You're going to stoop down. You're going to take the water. You're going to cleanse, cleanse it, their feet. Then you're going to dry it. Then you're going to do the other one. And then they do the same for you. And then another person comes up, and then someone else comes up. So you had to have your heart right with God in order to love your neighbor. And there's something about that that, that, really, that really touched me. For you know, in that culture, they just wore a piece of leather under their foot it had a couple of straps to it and so wherever they were if they went through animal dung or uh, dirt or mud wherever they were when they came to your house the first thing that you did was you washed the person's feet you welcomed them I read the story of a guy in this large corporation who was sweeping floors one night and all of a sudden he finds a lamp, and he rubs it, and a genie comes out. And the genie says, you've got three wishes. Oh, wow. So the guy thinks, he says, you know, I want to be somebody important in this organization, somebody that people will recognize. 
poof, all of a sudden he's on the second floor. He's in middle management. Wow, he's still got the lamp, and he says, wow, this is really good. So he rubs it again, and he says, I want to be more important than that guy in this organization. And so, poof, he's, he's got a tie on, he's well-dressed. I mean, he's like, wow, this is pretty swank. This is kind of neat. He says, all right, I'm going to go for it. I got one wish left. He looks at the genie, and he says, I want to be the most important person in this organization. I want to be the greatest. And poof, he finds himself in the basement with a broom in his hand, sweeping the halls. Jesus said in Matthew 23, 11 and 12, the greatest among you will be the one who serves. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled. Whoever humbles herself will be exalted. Now that just flies in the face of everything that we know in our culture. Think about the language that we use in our culture to be the greatest. You got to climb to the top. You got to climb the corporate ladder. If you want to be great, you've got to rise to greatness. But in the culture of the kingdom, Jesus flips it all around. He says, you really want to be the greatest? You descend to greatness by being the servant of all. This is a story about Jesus and his disciples. Jesus and his disciples are having the Last Supper. They're not going to be together anymore after this experience. So Jesus wants to make sure that he's gotten across to them the heart of his message and what it's all about. Jesus is going to be crucified in a couple of days. And as we read the scripture, we find a little bit about what these guys are talking about when we look at Luke's gospel. In Luke's gospel, we find that what they've been talking about as they gather around the table is, who is the greatest? So you can sort of see these guys sitting around the dinner table having a discussion, just waiting for Jesus. And Matthew says, come on, guys, I'm the most important in this organization. After all, I've taken care of the money pretty well. We wouldn't be able to do ministry if it wasn't for me. I mean, what's the deal? You know that I've got to be the most important. And then John looks at him and says, Come on, Matthew. Remember that time when Jesus started glowing on the top of the mountain? It was me that was there when I saw Moses and Elijah come down and talk to Jesus. Who was there? That was me. I'm the greatest. And you just got to know that bold, impetuous Peter has to chime in. Hey, you guys, remember that boat when Jesus was walking on the water? All the disciples said, yeah, Peter. And Peter said, I don't remember it because I was out there walking on the water with him. I'm the most important. So you got this competition jockeying for who is the greatest. And we're going to find out that the greatest in the kingdom is the disciple of Jesus who washes feet. 
And that's where we pick up our story in verse 2. The evening meal was being served, and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. That word knew is a word that we need to hear this morning. The disciples find out all these things that Jesus knew. Jesus knew when he was going to die. Jesus knew that his hour had come. In about two days, Jesus knew that he was going to be tortured and he was going to be crucified and handed over to the authorities. Jesus knew that Judas was going to betray him. Jesus knew that he was the Son of God, and he knew that God had given him all power. I don't know about you, but if it was me, and I knew who I was, I knew I had all of that power, I probably would have reacted by saying, hey guys, you know, I just want to remind you, I am the Son of God. Do you think somebody could serve me once in a while? Do you think somebody could care about me? I've got a couple of rough days coming up. Could somebody wash my feet? But Jesus knew he had nothing to prove. So what did he do? Jesus did exactly what he came to do. Jesus served he came to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So Jesus took off the outer garment, he grabbed the towel, and he put it around his waist. In the first century Jewish culture, other people that would wear similar types of clothing, a towel, was very familiar. It was some kind of garment that they could use to clean but the people that wore that garment were servants. They were slaves. So here's Jesus putting on a towel in such a way to identify with the lowest of the low in that culture. He's doing what a slave would do. And the disciples are in this room thinking, what is going on? Jesus was doing this outward reminder of an inward truth. I am here to serve. I am here to give my life as a ransom for many. How about you and I? Why are we here at Lebanon? Why are we here? Are we here to serve? There's the towel. Are we here to be served? Are we here to wash people's feet? And really be the greatest in the kingdom? Or are we here for what we can get out of it? We live in a very spiritually consumer-minded culture. 
Where can I get what I want? Where can I feel good? Where can I go to feel good? Let's pick up the story in verse 5. After that, Jesus poured water into a basin. Now remember the basin because we're going to come back to that. So the scripture says he poured water into the basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. To understand the immensity of what it meant to wash feet, we have to understand this task in the context of the culture. There were no paved roads. There was nothing but dirt. When it rained, there was nothing but mud. And it would cake on people's feet. And the shoe apparel was nothing more than just a little piece of leather and some straps around it. All kinds of dirt on the road would come with you when you came into a home. Whatever the disciples walked in that day, their feet picked up. So this could be a very disgusting task that Jesus took on. Because to wash feet is not something that everyone was jumping up and down to do. Who were the kind of people that washed feet? It was not the master of the house. It was not the rabbi or the teacher. It was the Gentile servant. It was a foreigner who was now in their land, who were the lowest of the low on the totem pole. These are the people that washed feet that were the servants. So here's Jesus taking off his outer clothing, grabbing a towel, pouring water into a basin, and kneeling down at the disciples' feet. You can feel the tension in the room. The disciples know what this task is all about and who usually performs it. And here's the Son of God, the Lord, their rabbi, kneeling down to wash their feet. It's preposterous. It should never happen. And you can sense the struggle within the disciples when he's kneeling down. And Peter looks at him and asks the question, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Are you going to wash my feet? Is that really what you are planning to do? And when he finds out that it is, Peter is like, never, no, no, you are not going to wash my feet. Maybe that's what you would say today if I had water in this bowl and I said, come up here, I want to wash your feet. Maybe you'd say, no, no, never, that's not going to happen. But Jesus does. He washes their feet, and I can only imagine what's going through his, his head. Peter's saying, I should have thought ahead. I should have gotten somebody to do this. I mean, somebody could have gotten a Gentile to wash our feet so that Jesus wouldn't have to. This was not a task that they would even consider doing. 
I don't even think it crossed Peter's mind. I think if Peter would have even thought that this would have been pleasing to Jesus, he would have washed his feet. We know he loved Jesus so much. I think that's why he was blown away when Jesus kneels down and he's thinking, no, you're not going to do this, are you? You are going to do this. It wouldn't have even crossed Peter's mind to wash his feet. But you see, a disciple washes feet at the command of Jesus. Now let's take this principle and plug it into the contents of your life and mine. How is God asking you to serve others? Whose feet is God asking you to wash? What is God calling you to do? And how can you and I be sure that we have the same heart that Jesus did on that night when he washed the feet of his disciples? Here's three questions that I would like to ask you that will help us discover if we have the same heart that Jesus did when he served the disciples. The first question is, what is your motivation? What is your motivation to wash people's feet? Here are some things that was, were not Jesus' motivation. Pride, self-righteousness, an attitude, like the Pharisee that says, hey everybody, look what I'm doing. Look at the sacrifice that I'm making. You see, Jesus didn't have anything to prove. He knew who he was. Here are some things that motivated Jesus, two of them. Love and compassion motivated Jesus. Jesus loved those guys in that room more than anything else. He loved the world that he came into to redeem we read in the first part of John 13, and he loved people, and he had compassion on people. So ask yourself, what is my motivation to serve? Why do I serve? Do I see things the way Christ does? Or is it simply doing a task? When I serve... Does it get me brownie points? Is that what I'm looking for? One of the things that I've discovered is I'll wash people's feet. But I want to determine what the dirt looks like if I'm going to wash them. We categorize the dirt on people's feet. Oh, I'll wash that person's feet. They have a little dirt on them. But that person's caked. They're crusted. I don't know if I want to wash that person's feet. It's a command. We are called to wash feet as Jesus' disciples. 
The second question you have to ask yourself is, what is the need now, right now, in front of me? What is the need? Jesus had a huge thing coming up in a couple of days. Two days. And Jesus knew that he was going to suffer like no other. He was going to be nailed to the cross in crucifixion style. The blood was coming out of him. The water was coming out of him. He was going to bow his head and say, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. It is finished. The mission that you gave me to do is finished. I mean, that's the greatest act of service and humility that the world has ever seen. And yet, in the middle of that kind of knowledge, he doesn't think about what's coming. He thinks about the disciples, the ones that are in the room with him. And he thinks about loving them right there. He sees the need that's right in front of him. Now, I can imagine that the disciples' feet were nasty. Nasty. And they're all sitting here together at this dinner, and it's, they're pretty low, and they're right there. And when you're sitting, the other person's feet were right behind you, right there. So whatever the smell was, you got a whiff of it. And if it was dirty, you knew that they were dirty. Right in front of him, there was a need, and Jesus took care of it. He washed their feet. He made a pronouncement about who he was and who they were called to be. I ask you this morning, what is the need right in front of you? Who is the person whose feet Jesus is calling you to wash? Because the need that is in front of you is what God wants to do, not just in that person's life, but in your life as well. Is it in your family? Is it a co-worker? Is it someone in your neighborhood? Is it someone in this congregation? What is the need in front of you right now? Name it and do it. The third question is, what do you have to give? Remember Peter and what he went through in that upper room during the foot washing? And then later we find Peter preaching that Jesus has risen from the dead, that he is the Messiah. And then we see Peter walking into Jerusalem. And he's going to the temple during the hour of prayer. And as he's going to pray, there is a beggar on the side of the road right in front of him. And the beggar says, alms, alms for the poor. Give me money. He hasn't walked since he was born. And Peter looks at the beggar. And here's what he said in Acts 3.6. He says, silver and gold I do not have. But what I have, what I have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Stand up, rise up, and walk. Did you catch that? 
What I have, what I have, I give to you. I ask us this morning, what has God given to us that he wants us to give? What has God given to you that he wants you to give? The most precious commodity in the United States today is not money. It's not stuff. It's time. It's time and it's presence. Is it an ear to listen to someone? Is it those three spare rooms in your house? And God wants to fill them. What is it that you have to give, that God has given you to give? You know, when Jesus washed the disciples' feet, we have to realize this is not some task that he was trained to do. It wasn't a skill given to him by God. He wasn't gifted in foot washing. This was simply the task on Jesus' way to redeem humanity. This was the task that God put before him. So you don't have to say, I need five months of training before I can compassionately care for someone. I got to clean my room up so thoroughly before I invite somebody into it. No, it can be messy. It can be very messy. It doesn't matter. What matters is, this is what God has given me to give. And this is the way that God has called me to wash feet. When we love and have compassion for people the way that Jesus did, then we will see the need that God has put in front of us. And we won't care what the task is because we're not doing it for ourselves, because we're not doing it to earn anything. We're not doing it to be loved because we know who we are. We know that the king of righteousness in his sacrifice on the cross by faith has made us righteous. We have nothing to earn. We have nothing to prove. So like Jesus, we can die to ourselves and allow Christ to give our lives away because that's what being a disciple on this earth is all about. Remember the basin that Jesus used to wash the disciples' feet? There's one other time in Scripture that we hear about a basin of water. When Jesus is standing before Pontius Pilate and he is condemned and the crowd is screaming, Crucify him! Crucify him! Crucify him! And Pontius Pilate could find no fault in Jesus. But instead of doing something, he does nothing. And he takes the basin of water, and he dips his hands to, into it, and he takes the towel, and he wipes them off, and he says, I have nothing to do with this. Two times we see the basin and the towel in Scripture. And right now, we all have a basin of water and a towel right before us. 
every one of us. And we have two choices that we can make. We can take the basin of water and say, you know what? I wash my hands of this. I don't want anything to do with this kind of serving. I don't want to take a bowl. I don't want to take water. I don't want to wash anybody's feet. I don't want to wash that person's feet because they're a lot stinkier. I'll wash that person's feet. I'm washing my hands of the whole thing. I don't want to have anything to do with this kind of being a disciple and what it means. I wash my hands of it. Or we can take the basin of water and we can take the towel and we can assume the position of a servant of Jesus. We can kneel. We can kneel down humbly and compassionately before others. And we can serve just like Jesus did. In Mark 10, 45, this is what Jesus said. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. The greatest among us will be the servant who takes the basin and the towel and serves like Jesus. I don't want you to, I don't want you to hear this as a beat-down sermon. I'm not preaching this. I'm preaching this because it's the Word of God. I'm preaching this is because this is who we are. I'm preaching this because Lebanon has the opportunity to be such an, an incredible, an incredible tool in the hand of God. Incredible. I see you are servants. My encouragement today is, who else does God want us to serve? If you have not picked up the basin and the towel, consider this command of Jesus. Put some water in your basin, take the towel, and be ready to put it around your waist when God shows you the opportunity to do it. I will tell you this. This past week, on a Zoom call with all of Emily's caregivers and Rose's, they said to me, they have never encountered, and I said never, and they said, we have not encountered people like the people of Lebanon who are willing to wash people's feet and continue to love them and be there for them because the shape that the towel takes is the shape of the foot of the person. It always takes the shape of the need. And they said to me, we see, we see a love that we don't see normally because a lot of the families that they care for 
because of some of the difficulties in families and people's hearts and where they are, it's long-term caring. It's long-term loving. And they said, oh, they see people come and kind of tip their hat and say, um, oh, here, we'll do this. Oh, we'll do this. But he said, they all said, but then they're not around anymore. They don't go the distance. Lebanon, I'm here to praise God that you are a body of believers who is willing to go the distance. And all we do is, like the towel, we wrap around people with the love of Jesus and the message and the good news of the gospel. And we wait for the opportunity to allow that gospel to take root and to grow in our lives as well as the lives of others. So your light is shining on the hill. And I can tell you that there are eight people, all of them said this. They said, do you think that there would be people at Lebanon who would come and care for the other kids that were taken care of? I know the need is great. Not my responsibility to determine the need. It's my responsibility to determine whether I'm going to wash my hands of the kind of serving that Jesus wants or whether I'm going to pick up the basin and the towel and serve. I'm here today to say, let's keep going. I know we love Rose. We need to make that love continue to be visible. I don't know how we'll be called to wash Rose's feet today or tomorrow or this week. The only question I need to ask is, do I got my basin and towel in my hand? Am I ready? Because when God calls, I know what to do. We're going to continue to wash Emily's feet. What does that look like today? It looks like writing that girl a letter. I've already put two in the mail. Because I know when she gets those, she's going to say, <laughs> I knew he loved me. I knew God loves me. I know God loves me. And uh, that's, that's what it looks like. <clears throat> the caring, the, need, the love always takes the shape of the person's foot as we care for them. Let's pray.